This is the Talk of Iowa Book Club. I'm Charity Nebbe. East Walnut Hills, an award-winning poetry collection by Emily Spencer, takes us inside a neighborhood in Cincinnati, Ohio. Within this framework, the collection explores climate change, wellness, race, gender, class, and more. Spencer, now known as E. Yatande An, lives in Iowa City. She is a graduate of the Iowa Writers' Workshop and the founder of the Iowa Poetry Foundation. E., welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. And I want to dive right in because you explore East Walnut Hills in so many different ways in this collection. This is not the neighborhood that you grew up in, although you did grow up in Cincinnati, Ohio. So tell me a little bit about East Walnut Hills. Yeah. So East Walnut Hills is about it's really meditations on biodiverse community. Um, I grew up in a middle-class neighborhood in Cincinnati um, that was not East Walnut Hills. I ended up going to a public exam school called Walnut Hills High School in that neighborhood, and then my parents ended up moving, um, and then I spent my young adulthood uh, particularly my summers that I was on break from the Iowa Writers' Workshop, I spent in East Wanted Hills during a time where I had a lot of trauma to process, and I processed that through walking meditation and observing the neighborhood that I was in and seeing it, um, you know, change through uh, gentrification, through uh, a landslide um, and um, all of the, and eventually the um, pandemic. And this is a really unique neighborhood is what I get from your writing, but also a little bit of online research about East Walnut Hills. I mean, clearly this, this is a very beautiful area with a lot of nature in spite of the fact that it's in an urban center. Oh yes. And because I'm, I'm, interested in um, writing and wellness and also writing and spirituality, there is the most beautiful park I've ever been to. It's called Eden Park, and it's just a stone's throw away of where I was living. And tell me about the park. What makes it so special? Well, I think it's fascinating to return to a park that's called Eden. Um, And then there's even trees that are named after presidents. There's the Crone Conservatory where I wrote the poem Butterflies after my late colleague and and dear friend, Marshawn McCarroll. He's also a poet. So this, we'll talk a little bit more about butterflies in a little while, but um, this neighborhood, this park, it has a long history. It's referred to as Cincinnati's first suburb, but it's been through several different phases of life in in the history of the neighborhood, right? Yes, it has. There's been turnover in those who dwell there, the denizens, and with recent development, there were many African-American residents who were uh, either evicted or forced to move through rent increases. Um, and then the neighborhood has since made some plans for mixed-income housing. But yes, there has been some, some flux uh, in the in the area, and also uh, a great note is that these 
the Cincinnati Art Museum um, has no admission fee anymore, and so it's free, and anyone can can go there. It sounds like you were able to really wander the neighborhood and, and become intimately acquainted with this part of Cincinnati in a unique way, because you you kind of brought with you an outsider's perspective, but you had the access of someone who lived there. Yes, uh, someone who lived there and someone who lived there and was sometimes seen as alien by new residents, which was fascinating, um, do I suppose, to my, uh, perhaps my age and, and my race. And and so that was um, interesting um, to, to think about belongingness and who belongs and um, and why and how we can belong um, to nature. I used to do a lot of backpacking um, through the U.S. and um, so connecting as well to nature. And so, yeah, through the walking, I, I connected um, through walking meditations, but also I'm a fan of Brian Tears' work. He's a, a, a fellow poet. And um, to think about observation and ethics and observation and morality and also biodiverse community. I would love for you to read one of the poems from the collection, and it appears very early in the collection. And I also understand it's one of the first poems that you wrote uh, when this collection was starting to to form itself, when you were forming it. Could you read Sky for us? Sky. The sky, slate gray. It conquers even seeing rusted objects for golden god and east walnut hills. Morning winds, they whip the windows wet beaded with glass droplets as brick Victorians bloom against the blur of rain, not shot from Cupid's bow, bow, rapes apologizer. The wind whimpers, whistles, and woes. Oh, whoa, whoa, woo, woo, as if a lonely graying troubadour stuck like a fly in the screen, aperture between the flooded neighborhood and underworld open so the gusts, they gore my bright black writing room in a high-rise whose pipe breath requires repair from the hard labor of rising above the dun mud-flooded Ohio, a river unapologetically bodacious above the northern Kentucky toy houses and yellow arch of the bridge, Big Mac, which sticks out the rind of a yellow watermelon on a sunny day, holy. That is E. Yutande on reading Sky from the collection East Walnut Hills. And there is, we've talked just a little bit about it, there is this environmental theme that runs throughout the collection. And I feel like from your description of the neighborhood, there's a push and pull between the the neighborhood that was built, the how nature and this beautiful park was incorporated into it, and maybe nature making a little bit of a comeback in some ways. Can you tell me more about that? I think that just as the sort of the speaker, the recovering from trauma and abuse is sort of on the rise, so too is nature. And um, I think that to talk about morning winds, that to sort of personify nature, to see it as living, having cells and and alive um, was very important to me. And uh, from an eco-critical perspective, 
um, that was very important. And the river makes several appearances in poems throughout the collection, obviously a powerful force flowing through Cincinnati, but it also seemed to be not just symbolic. I mean, it's a very real way to see the environmental damage that has been done in that area. Yes, it used to be (laughs) used to be blue or blue green, and now it is brown. It is um, you you can go there. It's beautiful, but you cannot miss how polluted it is. I want to talk a little bit about how race plays into the history of East Walnut Hills. It was a neighborhood that was an affluent suburb. There are some old mansions that remain in the neighborhood. And then, of course, as the city grew, it became a predominantly black neighborhood for a while. And then, as you said, you've observed this gentrification because it's a very beautiful place and it has become a desirable place for people to live. And gentrification has pushed out some of the residents who had been there for a long time. Tell me how you can see that evolution in East Walnut Hills. Well, I can see that evolution through poems, even like Phoenix, where um, even the neighboring the the neighboring neighborhood is is experiencing the the poverty that so often comes with being in a um, minority group in the United States. Um, with even thinking of the the net worth of some African American, um, some African American populations in certain cities is only one dollar. Um, so when I thought about race in East Walnut Hills, I I really thought about how there's different layers of belonging, and how in order to be well, even with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that is the um, the third the third level, but also safety and how we can become unsafe and how it can break our hearts and how we can lose our lives if we are not um, together in a biodiverse, loving community that respects all members. You mentioned Phoenix. Would you read that poem for us? Yes. Phoenix. They want to bomb Avondale. A phoenix is a mythological creature. Phoenix isn't in the hills. It hugs. Robotics wins against Walnut. Fake gold trophies line hallways like liberation. To China write, how do you liberate something that's burning alive? Her teacher writes, no yelling. Good question. A phoenix liberates itself with extreme strength. Sometimes the scholars feel they are freezing and drowning. What do you know about Avondale? It is 90% black and over 40% poor. What do you know about Phoenix? Truth is, we ain't a mythological creature. The scholars build truth robots after they pass the state test, after they manage the world's trauma. The teachers feel modern saints, and Avondale, society's martyr, mule, forgotten, brilliant, prophetic. I love that poem so much, and it leaves me wanting to know so much more. And there are other uh, hints 
through the poetry and the collection that they give us a way to understand education in this neighborhood and the school. But can you tell me a little bit uh, about the, the schools and what is behind this poem? Yeah, what is behind this poem is the question of our, of education itself and education in terms of what is it the purpose of education? Is the purpose of education to help people live? Or is the purpose of education to help oppressed populations manage the trauma of the rest of the world, to, to pull the plow, to be a mule? Um, and what happens when the trauma of the students themselves is not treated? Um, so there was even in one of the poems talking about Rome reaction and how uh, and and later when I learned about the trauma response and reactivity, and I used to be a high school teacher, so that also uh, is influenced me. And then as I was a student at the exam school, I was often confronted by learning as much as I could about the world and then wanting to learn how to live with, uh, in, in spiritual terms, it's sort of the the idea of the cross that you bear and how do we educate students to both live with and live beyond and liberate themselves from the crosses that we bear. I think that those questions are a subtext in every conversation that we have about education today, but most of us don't read the subtext. Yeah, well, that's I did put some footnotes in my, in my book. <laughs> Um, we are, are going to run out of time here, but uh, I would love for you to read one more poem for us. Could you read the poem, Butterflies, that you dedicated to your friend, Marshawn McCarroll? Yes. Butterflies for Marshawn McCarroll. Footnote. Marshawn McCarroll, an Ohio activist and poet, a late dear friend, founded Pursuing Our Dreams and Feed the Streets. He attended the NAACP Image Awards and was honored for his activism, including involvement in the Black Lives Matter movement. During the spring marathon, jogging by Crone, the street is pink, full of human flying pigs, petunias, if you run fast enough from Walnut Hill's start lines, you fly out in commercial jets to coastal universities, poverty tours, the Olympics in Brazil. If you work hard or hardly enough, you forget you will die. Death pushes an empty silver shopping cart weekdays, empty golden stroller weekends through the May butterfly exhibit at Crone Conservatory in Eden Park. The monarchs are native and captive. The beauty is native and captive. Cincinnati is native and captive. The world is native and captive. They are, they aren't. The subjects continue being trapped or protected globally local. Usually, death passes by with, excuse me, other times, 
death taps your shoulder while you gaze at giant prehistoric ferns looking for yourself and nature. Very sorry, death says, retreating behind a fountain, Crone's mosaic tile fountain, in a city with an outbreak of mosaic tile fountains, which you feel like breaking your head against, pixelated as you get digital 24-7 news of a friend shooting himself dead in front of the state house. Is it supernatural? You scream. You don't scream to get away. That's such a powerful poem, and it brings up so many important questions about the, the people who are working so hard to create change in our country and the toll that it takes on them. And I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Yes, we must self-care, but also look out to care for our caretakers. E. Yatande An, formerly known as Emily Spencer. The collection is East Walnut Hills. She also has a chapbook coming out later this year called Translate Neighbor. And I do want to mention that since we ended the interview remembering Marshawn McCarroll, a poet and Black Lives Matter activist who died in 2016, that the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is available at 800-273-8255. That's 800-273-8255. This is Talk of Iowa from Iowa Public Radio. I'm Charity Nebbe. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.